0: So grateful for the passage we're going to get into tonight. We started it last week, and we're probably just going to stay in First Corinthians 15 this week. I know it's kind of like an anticlimax to not finish the book with the last chapter, but but I feel like we just need to spend some so a little bit more time in this chapter. Not that because it's above us, or not that because we we don't understand it, but just because it's so rich and it truly is, as Paul said, it's the gospel that he preached. He was reminding the Corinthians at the beginning of this chapter, and he said, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you. And I believe it's, it's this whole chapter. It's the death and resurrection of Jesus. And then it's also his second coming, his return. And then our inheritance with him for a thousand years and then comes the end when God is all in all and the new heavens and the new earth. And then Paul just begins to answer this question of, and what will our resurrected bodies be like? And we get to, it's, it's actually like we get to ask Paul the question, Paul, you know, with your revelation in the word, with, as you were talking with Jesus through the Holy Spirit in the deserts of Arabia for three years as you've been talking with the apostles, and now you're at the very end of your ministry, not the very end, but Paul's in Ephesus writing to the Corinthians. He's about to be in prison. He's about to give his life. It's in that last season, that last push, and you had the apostle Paul sitting in front of you, and you had questions about, Paul, what's heaven going to be like? Paul, what's the end time marvelous plan of Jesus. Would you talk to me about it? That's 1 Corinthians 15. Wouldn't you like to ask Paul those questions? That's what... Oh, yeah, I love it. Gary says, oh yeah. Gary's been asking Jesus those questions for many years now. <laughs> but that's what we have in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul, what do you know? What, what's this idea? And remind us of the gospel that you preached, and let's talk about Jesus' return and our resurrection from the dead with him, and our ruling and reigning with him. So, are you excited? Is this good? All right. Now, I really want you to follow along in your own Bible with, uh, we're going to go through this chapter verse by verse, okay? So, either open your paper Bibles, or my constant joke, if you're a phony Christian, get out your phone and follow along. In the uh, in your Bible app, it's so bad. How many of you just heard that for the first time? Okay, yeah, it's so bad I know, but but it's so good. <laughs> and we're going to go verse by verse. We're, we'll skip around a little bit. We'll see how much time we have. So we ended. Last week, uh, around verse 20. And I just want to pick up around verse 20 again. We'll read verse 20 and, and jump in. Just by way of reminder, before this, let's put up that first slide, if you don't mind, Brian. Before this, Paul is reminding them again, it's the gospel progression of 1 Corinthians 15. So this is the first two verses. This is the gospel that Paul preached that we're about to dive into. It's what the Corinthians received. They had that good soil, and it got planted in their heart. And really, first and Second Corinthians is Paul trying to root out those weeds that were trying to grow in the garden of that good soil of the Corinthian church. There had been some weeds that had crept up that's uh, choking out their fruitfulness, and that's what First and Second Corinthians are all about. Um, so they received it. He says, you gotta stand in it. You're standing in the gospel right now. You're standing on the truth. You're standing on the rock of Jesus' teachings, and you're actually being saved by it. And so that being saved is what we're going to talk about tonight. What are we being saved unto? And it's glorious and it's beautiful and it fills my heart with ah, fills my heart with that feeling. Of, ah, right? But we're only being saved by it if we hold fast to it. If we keep on obeying and believing, that's what holding fast to it means. We can't just have a mental uh, uh, confession of, yeah, I believe in God, but we don't reflect the gospel with our lives. We don't dive in and obey the commands of Jesus. So holding fast means believing and obeying. Let's go to the second slide. Now, this is the, the consequence if there's no resurrection, Okay. And this is what Paul lays out right before chapter 20 in the the 7 to 10 verses before it. He says, guys, and and this was a false teaching that was going on in the church of Corinth. There were those that rose up and said, ah, we we don't understand that resurrection thing, so there can't be a resurrection. Also, there was a very Greek culture that the gospel was permeating, and these Greek minds couldn't fathom that the body was going to be redeemed and be good because they had such a separation of the soul and the spirit is good, but everything in the flesh is bad. And it was this escape from the flesh into an ethereal realm. And Paul's saying, no, 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 that's not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus is going to return. He's going to give you a resurrected body. You're going to rule and reign on the earth with him for a thousand years Then comes the new heaven and the new earth, and it's going to be a party forever with Jesus. And you're actually going to live with him in a resurrected body. Now, this isn't talked about a ton in the church, but I feel it's very important. How many of you guys are, you would say, semi-familiar with this material in the Word of God? Raise your hand. Good. How many of you, this is very new for you? Raise your hand. And don't be ashamed of it. Raise your hand. The idea of, ta- of studying the resurrection. Awesome. Good. And Gary can get up here because he's our expert. He's our in-house expert. So there's this false teaching saying there's no resurrection. And Paul says, okay, if there's no resurrection from the dead, then our preaching is completely in vain. And he says, your faith is actually in vain. And he says, if there's no resurrection from the dead... Not even Jesus has been raised from the dead. We've been fooled. The tomb was really robbed and he hasn't gone anywhere because Paul links and Jesus links his resurrection so closely with our resurrection that if these these false teachers were standing up in Corinth and saying, well, Jesus was resurrected, but we're not going to be resurrected. And Paul says, no, that's not true. If we're not going to be resurrected, not even Jesus has been resurrected. He says this, He says, we won't be raised, of course, if there's no resurrection. We're still in our sins. That's very bad. We don't want to still be in our sins. Those that have died, that have believed in this hope, are completely, have completely and utterly perished. And we, of all people, are most to be pitied because we've been tricked. Now, if that was true tonight, we'd be in a pretty bad place, right? Oh, but verse 20. Okay, you can take down that slide. I still call them slides. Do we call them slides? I think they're slides. Screens? I don't know. But slides will do tonight. Okay. Verse 20, Paul says, but in fact, oh, beautiful. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And again, this idea of first fruits. Jesus is the first man to possess a resurrected body. He's fully God, but guys, he is still fully man. He bears the marks of his death for us forever. Isn't that precious? I mean, he could have gotten rid of them, but I think he was looking forward to the day when Thomas was going to put his hands and he was going to feel his side and he was going to see that it's the same Jesus that was on that cross. God is raised from the dead and is going to seat at his right hand. Thomas was seeing that. He falls down and he says, my Lord and my God, can you imagine? You're going to be before the throne of Jesus. You're going to see those scars. You're going to see that wound in his side. And forever you're going to say, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Of my worship, of my devotion, of my love, worthy is the lamb. For Christ has been raised from the dead. He's the first fruits. We talked about last week that after Passover was the season of the first fruits, and the feast that the Jews would separate was the Feast of Pentecost after 50 days of harvest. Well, the very first grain that was harvested was the barley, and it was brought into the temple, and the priest would wave the barley offering before the Lord as a sign of we're giving you our first fruits. And then at the end of the harvest season, they would bring the best of the crops to the Lord and they would give the Lord the best of their harvest. Well, Jesus was that wave offering. Just think of that. Jesus before the Father right now, at His right hand, standing in His presence, and God accepted that sacrifice. And that wave offering was... As it, the Lord would accept it, and it was a sign that all the rest of the harvest was clean. Guys, from the moment Jesus went into that tomb and rose again, from the moment he ascended to his Father, that was the wave offering that he gave. Guys, the rest of the harvest is clean. And we are in a season of the Lord speaking to us about the harvest. Guys, Jesus knows how to bring in the harvest in this season, he was the first fruits of the resurrection. He wants many brothers and sisters, Paul tells us in Colossians. Many brothers and sisters to rise from the dead, just like he rose from the dead, and to sit in a place of authority with his father, just like he sits in a place of authority. Is that wonderful? That's a little bit, oh, never mind. We won't go there. Okay, so let's go to verse 21. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection for the dead. Now this is not hard to understand. We know, verse 22, for as in Adam all die, Adam sinned, Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, and they found themselves unclothed and they were put to shame. And they were cast out of the garden and we inherit that sin. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ, in our faith in him, and our belief in him, everyone who trusts in Christ will be made alive. Say hallelujah. Good. Verse 23. But each in his own order, and here's the order: Christ is the first fruits, and then the second order is then at his coming, those who have been who, who belong to Christ. And then verse 24, then comes the end. Now between those commas, just look at that verse 23 in your Bible, but each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, that comma is where we're living now, okay? It's from the resurrection to his return. That is a long comma, right? <laughs> but that's the, 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 the time frame that we're talking about. 2,000 years plus, and we're waiting for the return of Jesus. Now, this is word order, but each in his own order, was a word in Greek that was describing a military advancement. Platoons and companies going forth in a military advancement in an order of service. Paul says, oh, there's a heavenly military campaign going on. And it started with Jesus at the cross, crushing the enemy. The enemy isn't fully crushed, but his fate is is sealed did you guys know that we're going to read that tonight in revelation 20 his fate is sealed his power has been taken away he wants to usurp the order of God he wants to usurp this military order and God said no way my son has signed and sealed this day with his blood it was finished at the cross and when the father declares it is done in Revelation 21, it's the same words that his son proclaimed on that cross. Oh, guys, it's going to be a good day. Woo! Okay. So let's put up this second, the, the, the next slide, if you don't mind. The order of the resurrection. Okay, so I have the first wave of military advancement. is Christ, the first fruits. The second wave, that big comma, that 2,000-year time frame we find ourselves in. So we're in between that one and two right now. But that two is coming. Don't let anyone tell you it's not. If you are in a church that says Jesus is coming back is not literal, leave, please. Okay. If we ever start saying that here, please find another church. I'm serious about that. The gospel and the Bible is so... uh, uh, This is such a, a pillar of the gospel, and we don't have a hope without this pillar. Christ is coming back. Christ is going to rule and reign on this earth. The kingdoms of this world are going to become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Messiah, and He is going to rule and reign forever. And guess what Daniel 7 tells us? He's going to give the kingdom to His saints. He's going to give the kingdom to His Servants, and they're going to rule and reign with him, guys. Oh, okay. Let's let's keep going. I'm getting a little excited. The second wave of this military advancement is going to be Christ at His coming, and those who belong to Christ are going to receive their resurrected bodies. We're going to read this in Revelation 20. This is called the first resurrection. And then the third wave of military advancement is going to be the end after the thousand years. When Jesus offers up the earth to his father as an offering, and the father comes down with the new Jerusalem, the heavenly city of God, and he creates a new heaven and new earth. And then it says in Revelation 21, Behold, they will be my people. I will be their God. They will d- and I will dwell in their midst. And then the father shouts out, It is finished. That's the finish line we're going to set our eyes on. Amen? We're kind of setting our eyes on that second finish line right now. But that third finish line is going to be a glorious day, and you're going to take part in it. Okay, let's go to the next slide. Yeah, let's go to the next slide. Thank you so much. Okay, so let's just read a little bit about this. Christ, the first fruits. Let's open our Bibles to Ephesians 1, 29 through 23. Actually, you don't have to open your Bibles. Keep it in 1 Corinthians 15. You can turn there if you want to, but I have this on the screen. Ephesians 1, 29 through 23. Let's go to that next slide. This is Christ the first fruits. This is the description of his resurrection and his ascension. Paul's actually praying. It's, we're interrupting the middle of a prayer. Verse 19, it says, Paul's asking for a spirit of wisdom and revelation before, and he says, so that you would know... What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us to believe? So Paul wants you to know something. He wants you to, to experience power. Now this verse boggles my mind. I remember this hitting my heart when I was about 19 years old. I kind of remember right where I was. I was either 18 or 19. But I remember the place in the prayer room in Kansas City that I was sitting in when I was reading this verse. And I was looking at, oh okay, God wants me to know power. What's this power like? Read the description of the power God wants you to experience and walk in. It's the power, according to the working of his great might or of his great power, that he worked in Christ, that he worked in his son when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. That's the power God wants you to experience now in this life, And God wants you to experience then in the resurrection. Did you know that? We will ever experience the power of God. And it's the power of the resurrection and the ascension. Let's move on. Verse 21. And he seated Jesus far above all rule and all authority and all power and all dominion. And above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in The one to come. Verse 22 And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now he is the head, and the body the Father has given his Son is the church. And together we are going to fill the earth with glory and dominion forever and ever. Isn't that wonderful? So that's the first fruits, Christ the first fruits. Now, the second, let's go to the next slide. It says, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Now, let's just take a moment right here. Leave that on the screen, uh, Brian, or who's running it? Luna? Brian? Oh, Luna, thank you so much. Leave that on the screen, Luna, just for a second. Now, this correlates these next two. Uh, uh, phrases correlate directly to Revelation chapter 20, okay? Revelation chapter 20 is a beautiful chapter, all right? It's a literal chapter. It's really going to happen. And this is how it begins. It says, then I saw thrones. Now, again, this is Christ and us who belong to Christ at his coming. Then I saw thrones. And seated on them were those whom the authority to judge was committed. Now, the Bible is very clear that's the saints. The Bible is very clear that's you and I sitting on those thrones, okay? Now, he's going to talk about a second group. And because in the book of Revelation, this group is so highlighted, the group of believers that are on the earth, when the Antichrist rises up and says, no, I'm God. Worship me, that Jesus you've been serving and thinking you're worshiping. He's not God. I'm God. He's going to have real, dark, false, but they're going to be signs and wonders, and he's going to deceive the earth with them. And the Bible is full of information on the Antichrist. Paul has two chapters that he speaks on the Antichrist. Daniel has three chapters that he speaks about the Antichrist. Isaiah has two to three chapters that he speaks on the Antichrist. Jeremiah has it. God wanted us to know that this day was going to come so we wouldn't be deceived and we wouldn't worship him. Did you know that? He wanted a people that were going to stand up and say, "Uh uh-uh, I know my God. And in that day, Daniel says there's going to be a people who are strong in the Lord, and they're going to do mighty exploits in the name of their God as they say no to this man who's saying he is God. Okay? Yes. Thank you, Kathy. Yes. I'm actually, I want to get ready for that day. That day gets me excited. Okay? There's going to be one generation that gets to see Jesus come in the sky and, boop, be taken up to him. All the rest are going to get to come back with him. Well, it says the dead will rise first. What that means is though they're coming back, they're going to receive the resurrected body first, but there's going to be one generation. Wouldn't that be fun if we were that generation? Now, that's going to be a hard hour to walk through. Jesus said in Matthew 24 that unless those days were cut short, no human being would survive. That's what he said. That's going to be the wrath of Satan on the earth, but the Lord is going to come back. Anyway, sorry, I'm way ahead. So, Then I saw thrones and seated on them those to whom the authority to judge was committed. That's you and I. Here's a second group. Also, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God. Okay? And those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received the mark on their foreheads. Okay, so two groups are being talked about here. This word they means both of those groups. Those who had died before the, the terrible last three and a half years and those who had been martyred in those last three and a half years, okay? But then this word they is talking about both groups. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Verse 5, the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. And this is the first resurrection. Verse 6, blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with Jesus. That It did not say Jesus, but I'm just putting that in. They will reign with him for a thousand years. So, they are going to come to life when Christ comes back to the earth. And they're going to rule and reign with him for a 1,000 years. Now you say, well, who are they going to rule and reign? Well, not everyone in the earth takes that mark, and not everyone in the earth in that three and a half years follows Jesus. So there's this middle ground of people who go, you know what, I don't know about that guy that's standing up in the Middle East, that's calling himself to be God, that's sitting in that temple in Jerusalem. I just, I don't know about that guy. I don't, I'm not going to call him God. I'm not going to take that mark. I'm not going to worship him okay? I call them the resistors. And then there's those who take the mark, they will perish, and there's those who believe in Christ, they will rise from the dead. And there's this middle ground of people that are left to repopulate the earth. You're going to rule and reign with Jesus and disciple the nations under Jesus's leadership for a thousand years as the earth comes to life again under his leadership. Living waters are going to flow. The glory of God is going to be released on the earth. How many of you guys ever saw those transformation videos that uh, uh, George, oh, what was his name, that he did? Okay. Ah! Come to my mind. Come on, come on. Oh, I can't. There was these videos in the early 2000s about these uh, uh, revivals that were going on like in the Fiji Islands and in the islands of the earth. And as Every one of these, like, it was almost everyone on these islands were getting saved. The land was responding, and they were, like, growing like, these, like, big carrots, and were, the produce was being blessed. And do you guys remember all this? Yeah, yeah. It's going to be that times 10. That's a terrible analogy. I shouldn't have gotten into it because I can't even remember the name of the guy. But thank you, George. I got George right, didn't I? George Otis, Jr., So those videos are amazing. It's going to be that times 100. That's what I was trying to say. Okay, so that's Christ and those two belong to him at his coming. And then let's look at this third slide. Go ahead and go to the next one. And I think these continue for about two to three slides. Then comes the end. Yeah, go back one. Go back one more. Start right here. Thank you so much. Verse 10. So again, Paul's saying, verse 23, there's an order of the resurrection Christ, the firstfruits, we read in Ephesians. And then us that is coming, we got in uh, Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 through 6. And then it says, then comes the end. Now, the end it describes as this. Let me just read this before we get into Revelation 20 a little bit more. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority. These are the verses that deal with this. It says, verse 10 And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. I, I, I'm just, a scripture is coming to my mind right now. You know when Paul says in Romans 16, now the reason I know the scripture so well is because there was a fun children's song when I was younger, and it said, Romans 16:19 says that the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. How many of you guys know that song that I'm talking about? Romans, Romans 16, 16, 19. Okay. My youth pastor did a good job. We had scripture memory verses. And Romans 16, 19 says that the God of peace, God, Yahweh, is going to crush Satan. Now, here's the crazy part it's going to be underneath your feet. Okay? Now, that's for us now, the authority and the works of Satan now. But, guys, you're going to have a part in verse 10. I truly believe. We will always be the body of Christ. If Christ is going to crush the head of the enemy, underneath his feet, guess who is his feet? That's us, his saints, his people. What I believe this means is that you're going to have an active part in punishing the enemy and throwing him into the lake of fire. Isn't that wonderful? That makes me happy. When I see the enemy trying to wage war against my family, trying to wage war against my old soul, I remind him, I am going to have an active part with the authority of Jesus, in casting you into the lake of fire. He does not like to be reminded about that. He doesn't. And the devil, who who had deceived them, was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night, forever and ever. And then, here's the end, well, a part of the end, I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, From his presence, earth and sky fled, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Okay, now that right there is not you if you believe in Christ. Now, you take part in what we read in Revelation 20, verses 4 through 6, the first resurrection. You're not dead anymore. You've been raised, and you have your resurrected body, and you're going to dwell and rule and reign with Jesus forever. These are those who don't know Jesus. Now, this should cause us like peace in our heart. This should cause us a desire to continue to follow the Lord. But this should also cause a love to rise up in our hearts. What we're about to read, especially in this season of Lord, give us the 5,000. Lord, give us those who don't know you. We don't want them to take part in this judgment. Okay? So this is important for us to get right now in this season. It says this. We'll just start in verse 12 again. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Now, the crazy thing is, is that no one can do enough to earn God's favor. No one can do enough to remove their sin. We are going to be rewarded for what we do in the kingdom under the blood of Jesus, but our sins have been washed. This group, their sins haven't been washed. Let's move on. This is verse 14 of Revelation 20. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. Oh my gosh. There's our part again. I think we're going to have a part in that. It says in this chapter, the last enemy that is to be conquered is what? Death. And if we get to be a part of Jesus' rule and Jesus' reign we're going to have a part. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know, I don't know how you're, we're going to grab death and throw it into the lake of fire. But death and Hades get thrown into the lake of fire and we're going to be a part of that. Hallelujah. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name has not been found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now that is terrible and that should compel us in love to preach the gospel. Now, here's a beautiful reality. Verse 1 of Revelation 21. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. The sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, the reason it's prepared as a bride adorned for her her husband is because the bride is living in that city. The bride is going to commune with her husband in that city forever and ever. We are the bride of Christ and we are going to dwell in the new Jerusalem. He has gone to truly prepare a place for us. John 14. And this is the beginning of the description of that place. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, Now, just before I read this, I truly think that this is the dream of God's heart. I think this is what he is thinking of time and time again on his throne. In his leadership in your life, this is what he is dreaming about. The day when this takes place, okay? If you ever want to think, man, I wonder what God's dreaming about. I wonder what God longs for. I wonder what God desires. It's this day. And I think he desires as many people as he's created to be and share in this glorious reality as can be. And that's our job in this season of peace, in the season of amnesty, to proclaim Jesus and to see the harvest come in. Amen? But this is the dream in his heart. We're about to read it. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Wow. The dwelling place of God. Is going to be with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Now listen to the, feel the tenderness of this next verse. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. I mean, think of from the fall of Adam and Eve to that verse. Think of how much tears, how many tears, how much pain of death, how much mourning, how much crying, how much suffering there has been. And God said, it's going to come to an end and there's going to be no more. And I'm going to wipe away that pain from your heart, from your life, and you're going to rule and reign with me and you're going to dwell with me in my house. Whew. That's a good plan. That's something worth giving our lives to now, right? That's a hope and a future and a reality that we have. We have this mystery that we can uncover. It's not covered to us. We know this to be truth. The world doesn't know this. The world's looking for truth. They're looking for They're looking for the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And this is what it is. Let's keep going. Uh, One more slide. Thank you, Luna. Oh, I love. And then, oh, God's talking. He's saying, I'm dwelling with you. Oh, this is beautiful. And he, who was seated on the throne, said, this is the Father, behold, I am making everything. I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. Now, I just imagine Jesus on the cross. It's not an accident that he's saying it is finished. It is done. Same phrase. I think Jesus is looking for the dream of his father's heart, and he claimed that ground on the cross. He says, Father, that dream of you dwelling with your people, that dream of us having a bride for myself, that dream of you having a family, it's finished. And that stake went in the ground. Oh, my goodness. That makes me happy. Okay, it is done. The Father says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Here it is. To Him, to the thirsty, to anyone who wants it, to anyone who cries out for it, to the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. There's memories of Isaiah 55. Come to the waters. Anyone who is thirsty. Come and eat anyone who is hungry. You don't have to have money. All you have to do is come to me. It's for the poor. It's for the rich. It's for the middle class. It's for the lower middle class. (laughs) Sorry. Um, But as for the cowardly, now this is, okay, verse 7. The one who conquers, the one who overcomes, the whole book of Revelation begins with this idea of overcoming, he who overcomes lust, he who overcomes the spirit of adultery, he who overcomes the fear of death. He who overcomes just having a lack of love in his heart for Jesus. He who overcomes that Laodicean spirit of being lukewarm. That's what Jesus talks about at the beginning of Revelation of overcoming. And they're giving all these promises after, if you overcome, you're going to eat from the tree of life. If you overcome, you're going to be a pillar in my Father's house and you're going to dwell in His temple forever. If you overcome, you'll sit with me on my throne. All those promises are wrapped up here. The one who conquers, the one who overcomes, will have this heritage. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. Guys, we want that, right? That's that 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 and 2. If you continue to stand, you're saved by this message But you're going to be saved. You're going to experience this salvation if you what? Hold fast. Sorry, I keep looking at you, but I'm just like, I like looking in that direction. I'm not like pointing you out or anything over there, okay? (laughs) We have to hold fast. We have to keep on believing. We have to keep on obeying. But if we do, this is our heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. Woof. But we can't stop there. We have to read verse 8. But, as for the cowardly, as for the faithless, as for the, the, the detestable, as for murderers, as for sexually immoral, as for sorcerers, as for idolaters and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. And then Revelation goes on to describe the attributes of the New Jerusalem, which is just a beautiful thing. Wow. So that's verse 23 and 24. (laughs) We didn't make it too far into 1 Corinthians 15. But let's just spend a little time talking about the resurrected body. Is that cool? Let's jump to. It's fine. Let's jump. To, <laughs> let's jump to verse um, thirty-six. Is it thirty-six? I want to start. No, thirty-five. Let's jump to ju- to verse thirty-five. We'll just spend a few minutes in this, and then um, Aaron why don't we end with just like singing that death was arrested one more time? Even just like the chorus or the bridge of it, All right, You can come up and kind of start tinkling the ivories. I'm always the worship leader. I get to do this for other people, but I never get it done for me, so this is nice. I'm just playing. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> Verse 35. But someone will ask, how were the dead raised? And what kind of body do they do they... Do they come or do they have? So two questions are being posed. How are the dead raised? And what kind of body will we have? Verse 36. Remember, Paul's kind of rebuking and he's, he's exhorting, but he's, he's speaking as a father to children. He says, you foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Now, they are arguing that there's no resurrection. That's why he's saying this is foolishness. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Now, we're going to talk about our ultimate resurrected body, but guys, this reality is for us right now. We do not experience, this is, we've been talking about this just as pastors and as leaders. We don't get to experience that beautiful part of the resurrection that is our reality to walk in now. I mean, Ephesians 2, Colossians 1, there's few places that make it perfectly clear that this reality is for us to walk in now. We're going to walk in it in fullness in the future, but we will not walk in the resurrected life that He has purchased for us now if we don't die to ourselves now. We have to die daily. Paul says in verse 37, and what you sow is not the body that is to be, but it's a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen to each his kind. Let's just keep reading. For not all flesh is the same. There is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. And there are heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For stars differ from star to glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. So Paul's saying there's a great difference between a kernel of wheat going to the, into the ground and a stalk of wheat coming up. And our bodies that we are going to receive, there's going to be a draw. Tr- There's going to be a dramatic change. Now just imagine this. Imagine having a mind that doesn't fight the truth. That doesn't look for a way to like dissect it and call it not true. Imagine a mind that longs for truth. Imagine a mind that longs to receive the wisdom and counsel of God. We have to actively renew our mind now by the power of the spirit because it doesn't want to receive on its own. How many of you guys have ever been in that place and your mind does not want to receive the truth of God? How many of you have had experience in your flesh and your flesh doesn't want to obey the will of God? There's sinful things in our flesh. There's sinful lusts that we have to tame, that we have to conquer. Guys, We're going to have minds that long to know who He is. We're going to have hearts and spirits that are of His Spirit, this chapter says. We're going to be of His Spirit. When this chapter says spiritual, don't think of that as like ethereal or ghostly. Think of that as Holy Spirit. We're going to have Holy Spirit empowered, created. The Holy Spirit's going to be within us. The Holy Spirit on us. The Holy Spirit is going to be filling the earth with His glory. The Holy Spirit is going to be everywhere. and You're going to have a body that is going to be able to come before His throne and receive of His full glory. How many of you you enjoy feeling His presence now? I enjoy it. And I unashamedly say I enjoy feeling it. I love feeling His presence in my heart, in my mind. I love it when I feel His presence tangibly. I love it that is going to increase forever and forever and forever and forever. We want to be a part of that, right? We want others to be a part of that. Sorry, I'm just kind of talking to my heart. This is all found in these verses. But the verse we're going to end with tonight is verses 50. oh brothers I tell you this flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God now that's fallen flesh and blood that's what Paul talks about here you're going to have a tangible body it's going to be real those thrones that are around his throne they're not holograms those guys aren't just like sitting on a hologram they're real thrones they're real bodies Jesus said to Peter uh, to Thomas touch my son. He said, give me a piece of fish. Let me eat it. Ghosts can't eat fish. That's what he says. Isn't that wonderful? He wanted them to know it's tangible. It's real. I'm the first. And I'm longing for many brothers to come after me. So he says, fallen flesh and blood. I didn't say fallen. but I, It's kind of Marcus's interpretation. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Here it is. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Verse 51. But behold... I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, meaning we will not all remain dead. We will be, but we shall all be changed. Verse 52: In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and, and we shall Bible describes in about four to six different places of Jesus' returning, And it says there's going to be the sound of a trumpet. Paul says there's also going to be a voice of an archangel shouting. How many of you, I can't wait to hear that. (laughs) What does an archangel shouting sound like? And it says we're going to put our eyes on Him if we remain to see Him. Or we're going to be coming back and the dead are going to rise first and we'll be like, nah, nah, boo, boo, all those who are dead, we got our bodies first. But we are going to be with Him and He is coming as a warrior to conquer every enemy on this earth and He's going to fill this earth with the love of His Father. And it says, when we see Him at that moment, at the twinkling of an eye, at the trumpet sound, it says in Matthew 24, it says, after the tribulation of those days, Jesus is going to come with all the angels of heaven. That's what Matthew 24 says, all the angels of heaven. That's going to be a wonderful day, right? And it says, and all the saints. And it says, and with a trumpet sound, he's going to send his angels into the earth, and they're going to gather those who have believed in him. And we're going to be caught up to be with the Lord. And then at that moment, be separated from your God. You will be with him forever. And then he will establish his rule and his reign on this earth. Let's go on. It's in this, verse 53. For this perishable body must put on imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. I love how Paul says must. If you're a believer, this mortal body, this perishable body must put on. It must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the same that is written: death is swallowed up in victory. Verse fifty-five. Oh death, where is your victory? O oh death, where is your sting? This is found these two verses: the death swallowed up by victory. It's found in Isaiah chapter 25. It's a beautiful passage to study. It says God will come back. He'll rule and reign on his mountain in Jerusalem. It says we'll feast with him on his mountain in Jerusalem. It says there's going to be fatty meats. Everyone who loves barbecue, say amen. It says there's going to be fine wines. And it says, and he will destroy the covering that is hidden him over the nations forever. He's going to destroy that man. And it says that he is going to swallow up death forever. And then there's this precious song that the believers sing in response to this glorious reality in Isaiah chapter, 26, chapter 25. And it is wonderful. I encourage you to go there, maybe even after tonight, and read Isaiah 25. Verse 58. And we'll end with this. Why don't we stand? It says, therefore, my brothers, in light of all that we've said, in light of Jesus dying and staying in a tomb for three days and being raised from the dead on your behalf by his Father, therefore, my brothers, Paul says, be steadfast. Paul says, do not give up in your fight of faith. Paul says, remain and hold fast. Be steadfast. Be immovable in your faith. Always abound in the work of the Lord. Isn't that precious? And he says, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not going to be in vain. Everything we just talked about, but the resurrection, the inheritance that God has in us and we have in him, in him, He will remember every labor of love done in His name. Your labor in working for the Lord, Paul says, will never be in vain. It is being recorded. It is being written down. And in his eyes, it's precious. In the world's eyes, it's foolishness. In his eyes, it's precious. Guess what? He gets the final say. He gets the final say. I want to encourage us in this season to take these words and make them our own. Be steadfast, be immovable, and let's abound of the Lord this season. Let's get our eyes off of ourselves. Let's get our eyes off of our desires, and let's put it on His desires. Behold, He wants to dwell with us. He wants to be our God. He wants a people. He wants to dwell in our midst. He wants every seat in this church to be filled with people who don't know Him. He wants every seat in Castle Rock Bible Church to be people who don't know it. Let's up.